right, good afternoon. Well, it's afternoon right now, everybody. I'm back. It's me, Stacy, with LSDS, and today we're kicking off a series into the cyber world. I know we've talked about some stuff so far. This series, though, we're kind of like leading off of topics here, too, so we're going to keep building on this. The first part today, we're going to talk about beginning pieces of your digital presence, all right, and some of the stuff in there, what our best practices and how to manage that, your digital presence, and keep you as safe as possible while still engaging, right? Because we want to we want to be on online doing this kind of stuff. So for this, we are fortunate enough to have Cliff Wilson back with us to walk us through some of this stuff. Hello, Cliff, and welcome back. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. I love talking about these security topics with you. So let's let's get right into it. I know this is a big one. We're we're hitting it right off with a really popular one with everybody. But yes. we talked about digital presence. And what is that exactly? What all does that encompass, I guess? And how concerned do we need to be about it? First, I would say you probably should be more concerned than you are now. Unfortunately, our generation just isn't too concerned about it because we've grown up with it. We've had internet for 20 plus years now. Social media has been around for a long time, some of most of our lifetimes, right? So we talk about this on some other podcasts too, but it's all about convenience versus security and privacy. And in the digital age, everything is leaning more towards convenience and not security and privacy. But how I would say digital presence is, is what is essentially like your pattern of life or what is trackable and what you are doing online where you leave a digital footprint. So what I mean by that would be like, I posted in a forum or I went to a website and recorded my IP address. Anything that can be recorded and tracked to linking you in an action you're doing online. And I know that's a lot. And of course we can't cover all of that. And what I really wanna hit on today is more about social media settings and privacy, things that we should follow for best practices. Yes, please. Cause I, I, love, I love to hate social media, I guess is the best way for me to put it personally. I use it for personal use, group connection events, that sort of thing. It can be very handy depending on which one you're using, right? Selling stuff. It can be very easy to do that, have like a virtual garage sale, basically. Messaging, obviously, it's very easy to do on there. But what is the best way to participate safely? That's so important. So excited to hear more about that. Yeah, and all that stuff you said, it's, it's, it is important today, too, because we live in the digital age. If you have any kind of business or work, you're probably most likely doing some of it on social media, right? So we have to be aware of all this. <laughs> That's why I think this is great that we're doing this podcast. Because the first thing that we're going to hit on is some of the things you should and should not do on social media, mostly around settings and posting and things like that. But that's really what I want to start hitting on. Okay, cool. I'm, and I'm probably going to have to go through and check on my settings after we talk about this here too. So <laughs> well, how do we safely do all this sort of stuff on here? Yeah, and we have a laundry list of things, right? But the first one we'll hit on to and, and we're probably all very aware of that we do it, but are we doing it safely? And it's monitoring your friends and connections on social media. So we all have big friends lists, LinkedIn, you know, from the professional side, Facebook from the social side that's been out for years. And how do we kind of monitor that? Or do we even monitor that? Or do we just click accept every single person that friend requests? So the first part I want to say is misinformation and disinformation has been really big the last several years. We talk about it or you hear about it in the elections or you hear about information warfare and, and hackers or maybe even countries using it against other people to for their advantage, essentially. Right. And not that that's necessarily important for us as the 
individual end user, but it's very related to how it's done. And that's often through Facebook profiles, LinkedIn profiles and things like that. And that's whether or not we're accepting all these friend requests and adding them to our connection list. People are getting really good at making fake profiles or duplicating profiles and getting people to connect to them so they can spread information. So the biggest thing is I want us to monitor who and what we are accepting on Facebook and social media platforms for our friends and connections. That's the biggest one I say we should start with. Especially with an election year coming up, like with all the misinformation, bots, that sort of thing, fake profiles, like you said, what are some of like the bigger red flags that, or things we can check for if we do get a friend request, could even look like a friend or be the same name as someone we know. What are we checking for to see if this is the real person or is it a made up account? Yeah, definitely. So the, the easiest one is, is it a duplicate profile. Like when you sign on to Facebook or LinkedIn or something like that and Johnny friend requested and you're like, oh, I thought Johnny was already on here and we were friends. That's a huge red flag, right? I see this very often as a, a duplicate profile. And if you look into it, you might see that they might have very few friends or very few connections, or maybe they don't have any sort of history. And this kind of goes into all profiles, trying to figure out if it's real or not. I guess randomly at some point, you might run into a new friend that has a very new profile, right? But that's not the norm right now. Social media has been around forever, other than let's say the young boy or girl that finally gets permission to use social media. Mm -hmm. But if you find a profile that's new, doesn't have a lot of followers or friends or follows a lot of people, doesn't have a lot of post history or any kind of history to the profile, a few pictures, or maybe even fake looking pictures, or maybe pictures that don't have faces or bodies in them where you can't connect it to a person necessarily. Things like that are some of those big red flags you want to look out for. Okay. Because I've had only, oh, just a few of these happen. One was an example of friends, their account, their original account did get hacked. So they couldn't access anymore. So they had to make a new one. <laughs> so we were all checking with them to see if it was actually them. Is there any danger in messaging them through that social media application to check Absolutely. if that's really them or not recommended? Yeah, I would not message them through that application because if it is not them, obviously that person or whatever is managing that profile is probably just going to lead you on to think that it is that person. And you're kind of falling into the trap already right there. So I highly recommend doing a phone call over a text message, but if you have to take a text message to the person or at least someone that's close to that person, one, inform them that this is happening and two, ask them if it is actually then that's reaching out to you to be a friend or a connection. Okay. All right. Good to know. And the next part that goes with that, past the profiles now, but what kind of information do we put on Facebook? I think it's been a long time since I did this, but when I first created a Facebook profile, it asks you everything from your about me, your bio, what are you interested in and all that stuff. I don't like to put any of that information out there. And especially these days, it's what kind of information are you exposing in your posts? One thing that I like to give as an example is, yes, if you really dig deep, you can find like where someone lives and public information from buying a property or something like that. But I have no reason to put a picture of my exterior of my house where you can see where I live and can link that to me. I don't want that. I don't want people knowing that, right? I'm going to safeguard that a little bit in ways that I can. I don't want to post pictures from the inside of my house that shows that I work for this company and here's my employee ID number or here's a computer desktop that has certain applications that I use at work or in my personal life, things like that. There's a laundry list of things that you don't want to give extra information 
out in any sort of post like that. And outside of social media, that's the same thing in real life. You don't want to go talk to a random stranger and give them a whole bunch of information about you that they could potentially use against you, right? Same thing as social media and your digital presence. That makes a lot of sense. And like the the connection too between work and social media there too, or just oversharing. Mm-hmm. Be careful of the backgrounds of your picture. <laughs> it's really yeah. like, I don't think about that. You know, I, mean, I think I'm guilty of that too. And now I'm thinking about it now that you're talking about this. Yeah, what's in the background of my pictures too? And it's big. A lot of people don't realize it. And we're going to talk more about this on one of the different parts of the podcast for the series. But social engineering is is literally made to have you give up excess information to use against you. And some of that could be through posts and things like that. But like the biggest one that I see that I wanted to bring up was I love it when you sit your grandma posts a picture of her dog and says, hey, this is Lucy. And then you go log into one of her accounts and one of the security questions is, what is the name of your dog? And then now you have that from Facebook. <laughs> yeah. so I and you have the answer. So that's what I mean is, is people are getting really good about combining and compiling information to use against people. Right. And it seems so innocent. All the quizzes that sound really fun to take and you're going to get some answer that's going to entertain you. Right. But the questions that you're answering and giving to wherever this is going to, I've heard of that before, like happening. Yep. You're handing over like potential password answers. So exactly. And that's just scary when you think about it. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a couple of the big ones that social media platforms that people use. I think it was Facebook that you were you were gonna talk about first here for these. Yeah, Facebook is owned by Meta. And what people might not realize is Meta makes a ton of money off of information and data and advertising. And a lot of that is linked to targeted advertising, which essentially is advertising that's using your information that you allow Meta to use for that targeted advertiser to come towards you. So what I want to talk about is let's go into these security and privacy settings in Facebook and talk about some of these and the stuff that it uses against you or for you and how to change those to make it a little bit more private for you. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I'm going to need to check these too here just to make sure that I'm all set because I definitely use Facebook. Yeah, we can create a list for this, like pretty much a checklist for everyone to use afterwards, but I highly recommend people to follow along on their profile as we talk about this and go ahead and change these and remove things. Perfect. So let's talk about privacy first. One of the first things that I like to do and I highly recommend doing is essentially changing all of the settings to only allow friends to see or to use. So by default, most of the settings from posts, likes, whatever it is, is probably set on public. So anybody on Facebook can view that. So if I went to Academy Sports's page, I could see who likes it probably by clicking on that and getting a huge list of it, whether whether I'm friends with them or not. And that's what I kind of want to prevent that from happening. Yeah, okay. And then that even goes down to further. So like more importantly is do I have the public letting then view my profile to see my phone number, my email addresses, things like that. What all is linked to your profile and what's related to friends in public, right? So another couple things that are on there is, is your Facebook profile linked to your information that allows public search engines to find that kind of stuff? That's a setting in them that we don't want on there. If I just randomly searched my name on Google when it came up with a Facebook profile, I don't want that. I don't want people to be able to link that to my name or, or to anything to me. So, and okay. then, yeah. 
And then of course, I don't want people to see post stories, reels and stuff that are in the public and not just my friends. So we can kind of change a lot of those, those default settings, right? So kind of let's jump right into it. So on Facebook, if you went to your settings, which I, I believe is if you click on your face and go to settings, or if you click the ellipses on there, you can go to settings. The biggest one that we kind of just were hitting on is audience and visibility. This section should always be reviewed, I would say fairly often as well. You never know when Facebook might update and change some settings by default. I randomly see posts online that says, hey, go check your settings. This Facebook update changed all these settings or added new ones that we don't even know about. So always go through these settings. We're going to go through a lot of them, but I like to randomly go look at these routinely just to see what happens. Okay. How often do you check those, you personally? <laughs> There's not really any specific cadence, but if I'm on the social media platform or if we're on a friends or families, I'll randomly go help them and just look at it when I think about it, which is probably more often than most people. I would say at least weekly, monthly basis, I'm going on there looking at different settings or I follow a lot of the security things as well that are talking about settings and stuff. So it's, it's fairly often for myself. Okay. Cause I mean, yeah, they update things, change stuff. And I have seen those posts before. I don't know if I always believe them. Cause sometimes I'm <laughs> if it's telling me to change something the other way. I don't review it regularly, which I can, that's an easy fix though. Yeah. And that kind of goes into this a little bit more as I highly recommend reading about these settings and some of the, the fine print below it and what it actually means. What are they actually doing with this data or what does it actually do for you and your profile? So the first section under there is called profile and tagging. And I do this, my family does it, if I have any say in it. And I like to do this because it allows you to review information that's being put out. So for instance, you can review tags and posts before adding to your timeline. What I mean by that is if you and I were friends on Facebook and I tagged you in any kind of post, I could say the most absurd thing in the world, by default, it's gonna automatically post to your profile and your timeline without you approving it. And, and this we talked about earlier, misinformation and disinformation. I could be saying some really bad things or saying something about this person that's not even true, and it's gonna automatically go to the profile if they don't have this setting changed. So I always recommend going in there and turning on the setting where you can review all of these posts and mentions and all of this stuff that's shared to your profile before it is added. And like I said, by default, it is on without your approval. So anyone can tag you and it shows up on your timeline automatically. Yes. And that's another okay. setting number two is can anybody tag you and find you on Facebook or can only your friends tag you and things like that? Don't get me wrong. It's useful. You want to have mm -hmm. joint posts or you want someone to be tagged in your post mm -hmm. and tagging their posts. It's great to have that kind of activity when you want it to happen on your control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And this is a really good one too. This next section is the activity log. <laughs> this is pretty much a reality check for people to show you what kind of company Facebook and Meta is and how they track your data and what they're doing with it. So first of all, when you go in there, they'll have the privacy policy somewhere on the side where you can kind of click into it. Go just skim that and see what all they have the capability of doing with your data because you agreed to use this application. But from there, you can also dig down deep into what they are tracking. And I'll tell you right now, they're tracking everything. So when you go in there, you can see every single search you've done, every interaction with something. It's, it's just crazy when you look at it and see the information that they're using and they're tracking. So that's, it's kind of scary to look at sometimes, to be honest. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm not excited about that one. That's pretty wild. I'm not super, I'm not super active though on Facebook, but I'm still curious what it's going to pull. 
Mm-hmm. That's going to have to happen. Okay. Yeah, it definitely is scary. So the next part is the your information part in Facebook. When you click that, you can go click access your information. I think it takes you now to the account center, which is a pretty much like a managed section of meta. So I think we're kind of going to a meta website now, similar when we go, go over some Instagram stuff, but it's the account center through meta or manages your profile for Facebook. But we want to go in there and we want to go through and read a lot of this stuff. And we're going to point out a few of these now, but when you go in there, you will see your personal information on Facebook, probably like stuff that you did when you did your sign up, your bios, all that kind of stuff, all that's collected here. But this is the one part of the site that kind of like compiles all of the info that you've used in Facebook and puts it in one place. The one good thing about this, though, is you can go click something and dig a little bit deeper into where it came from. So if you click something on there, it might take you to something on your profile where you can actually edit it and remove it and clean it up. So I highly recommend going in there and cleaning up some of the information, Some, especially some of that stuff that maybe you put in 10 years ago and you want to leave it now and you just don't want it out there. Okay. And... Well, with that said, not to segue from this too much, but once it's in the cloud, once it's pretty much always out there. So if it's something you're trying to hide forever, you can't really get away from that, but you might not want it on your profile right now. So this is like a public service announcement for all you young kids out there. Before you do something like that, just know that it's never gone. So you're welcome. And just to hit on that, when people are kind of curious, it's like, oh, I don't believe you. Let's see where something is. There's something called... The, I think the Wayback Machine, which I think is archive.org. Essentially, if the website existed and it had any kind of information uh, gathered from it, you can go there, pick a date, go to the website, and go see what it looked like. So if you knew your Facebook profile information, maybe it was like facebook.com forward slash profile, you can go to like 2010 and go to that link. And it'll show you what it looked like and what all was there. That's what I mean by, especially if you have the exact URL, it's hide. It's really hard to hide anything. I've seen that come up before for like uh, in searches or whatever, where a, a website is like no longer working or that page isn't working, maybe even on a website. And it'll be like, oh, you want to use the Wayback Machine and pull up like a prompt, you know, you want to check it out what it was before. And you can, yeah, dig in there yeah. and still find it. So. And as you know, I am one of the cybersecurity experts that works with you, but I'm also an OSINT expert, which is open source intelligence. And this is all we do a lot of the times is we just find where we can find this information when people thought it was gone and how do you find it online and use it for whatever purpose you're trying to use. And I will say with this said, there are ways to remove some of this information, not trying to advertise for anybody, but Michael Bazell makes a really good book and has a good podcast on how to remove yourself from some of these things, which is very good for people to know, especially before you get to the point where you're in one of those situations where you need to remove yourself from a right. stock or something like that. Mm, yeah, it gets much more real there. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. So next section that's great is the logged information section. Uh, this one kind of has some of the stuff that you're interested in. It has some targeted advertising stuff and what kind of information is used from your logged events to be used against you or for you, I should say, right? Some people love having targeted advertising because it's Google and Facebook knows exactly what they're shopping for. So they just put it right there. I personally don't like having all of that. I hate targeted advertising. I don't want anybody using my information, but it's good. I would recommend going in there and removing all these connections essentially. So it pretty much, I think at one point you have to say, yes, you can use this company to have targeted advertising for you. You can go remove all those links and all those connections. I don't have any connected to mine. And that's what I recommend for you guys to do as well. 
that's too easy. If you really want to shop for it, you can go find it. It's not exactly. good. Yes. <laughs> just do that. Like with the targeted, it's, yeah, just how much this information can be used for other stuff too. It's just turn it off. Exactly. The next one, security and login information. I really like this part of the section in the area in Facebook and Meta. So this is great from a security kind of audit perspective as well. So you can go in here and you can see where you're currently logged in, which recognized devices have your logged in, and kind of like your, your login history. I really like to clean this up and I recommend people to clean this up. I try to do this regularly. You can see who, like when you see an iPhone 12 in Uzbekistan logged into your profile, you're like, whoa, that's not right. We should go get rid of this and then go change your passwords and all that stuff, right? So it's just a really good way to kind of audit your login stuff. Okay. No, that's good. And the next one is the apps and websites off of Facebook. So this is kind of, we talk about some of the targeted advertising and things like that, but what websites and applications can use your information from Facebook that technically you've probably authorized to use, but maybe you didn't realize you were doing that. So in here, you can kind of go check what kind of stuff is linked to that to let, to use your information. So I, once again, I recommend going in there and deleting or disconnecting all of those ones as well. Oh, for sure. I'm definitely going to, I'm going to have to check that one. And of course, one of my favorite ones that not a lot of people are aware of, and some people don't know any better, but the account center has the password and security section. This is always my favorite. First thing I will say is I always recommend using multi-factor authentication or MFA. And you should see my phone right now. I have a few applications. I probably have 50 accounts, maybe 50 plus accounts that use multi-factor authentication. So multi-factor authentication is an additional barrier of security for your login. And most of them will be like, hey, if I log in anytime, I need to use multi-factor authentication, which could be an application that gives you a code. It could be a text message that gives you a six-digit code or another password to put in or something of that sort, right? Or maybe your face ID or your thumbprint. Those are all multi-factor authentications. It's just one more additional layer of security above your username and password. So it's I highly recommend it anytime, anywhere you can use it. There's a lot of applications out there that we could probably put in the show notes for you guys to download and use, but it's definitely a great thing to use. And of course, the next part of that is you have that because you don't always have the strongest password. So in here, you can actually change your password. And we always recommend using a long, difficult, and unique password. Now let's talk about those parameters and details a little bit. So I like to use passwords that are 15 digits long or 15 symbols, letters, numbers, whatever you want to call it, long. I also make it unique. I don't have any websites that have the same password. And I try to keep everything different across the board. And I use a password manager for this because it's a lot easier to manage. It creates a password for me. I don't have to worry about it. It saves it for me. And of course, you're putting some risk by having a password manager, which are a lot more likely to ruin it on your own and make it more risky on your own than having something else manage it for you. I have seen this in action before. I had a good friend who her password was password. And she was also like saying it out loud as she was typing it in. To oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I love her to death. It was the funniest thing ever. And I'm like, I stood there and I'm like, you must change your password right now. We all just literally heard you type in password as you spelled it out loud. It was so funny. It was kind of cute, too. She's like, oh, man. She didn't even realize she was doing it. So, no, it cannot be password. Let's let's talk about an example of that real quick and on, how, on why you shouldn't use, especially that's it's so easy to password, right? There's tons of password lists out there. There was a, 
a hacker breach probably several years ago from like Facebook, Instagram, some games and all this kind of stuff. And it was like the, the 2 billion most used passwords. And it's still covered like, it probably covers like 60% of the passwords used today, right? But on top of that, as a security expert, and I'm familiar with a lot of tools and things like that, but I can go use some tools and create some word lists. And with CPU and computer power these days and GPUs, you can pretty much crack a password if it's, I'll give a rough estimate. I don't know if, how accurate it would be, but it makes the point is that if it's like nine digits, it could be any American English alphabet number or symbol, and you can crack it like in 24 hours, something like that. Anything that's like eight or nine digits. So you think you're fancy by putting in one word and like a special character and a number that's only six characters, but literally it can be cracked in a matter of minutes and it's that short. So, yeah, having it longer is no joke in there, huh? Yeah, and it goes up exponentially for each character that you add. So, like I said, 15 characters, wild guess, but probably takes a couple of years to crack. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Okay, from 24 hours to a couple of years, like, that's significant. Right. And when you have those word lists we talked about, that's even much quicker than going through every single character. So that those, you know, 2 billion words can be done in a matter of hours. Okay. Oh gosh. No, that's really interesting to like hear like the actual time differences. Yeah. And that's <laughs> incredible. I was just looking at some of my reference notes. I think uh, a powerful computer these days can crack a, crack a 10 digit password or 10 character password with any symbol number or anything like that in two weeks. Gosh. So 15 characters or more is a great way to start. Okay. All right. General rule of thumb, 15 or more. Yes. And and there's also more benefits to that too, especially in the enterprise world. But we, we won't even get into that. It's other security protocols that it's beneficial for as well. Okay. So to the next section, add preferences. This is always a good one to see too. And you can see how many people or how targeted advertising is used against you, right? If you want to go read some of the, the details and the policies that they have, it's it's a very good read, especially if you're trying to read yourself to sleep. But <laughs> I recommend going through this and, and taking a look at all the different areas. I might not cover all these areas right now, but I highly recommend going and clicking everyone and see what it is. So like the, one of the sections is the activity information from ad partners. And this is a good one because you can go in here pretty much saying don't let advertising companies use your information for targeted advertising. I think it's kind of like a general one that you can choose, but I really like to keep this one turned off where people cannot use my information. And that goes right into the next one, too. It's categories used to reach you, which is kind of the stuff that links to your profile information for targeted advertising. When you look at, like, the audience-based advertising, it's another similar one, which is used from lists to advertise to, to you. So it's like if you liked academysports.com and, like, dicksports.com, it's going to put you on, like, a, a sports activity list that ta- targeted you for advertisements for anything sports-related and things like that. So it's just a good one to go in there and, and remove yourself from those connections and those lists so it's not going to be used against you. And, and once again, if it has that information, it's using your data and your information that you've somewhere authorized to link to them, which means they also have access to that information and data. Mm, okay. Yeah, no. I'm going to have to check all of these. Uh, some of these are familiar to me, but I feel like there are some on here, though. Or either they weren't on there before or they've, yeah, added them. So I'll have to go back through and check these. Yeah, and I did some training around this same thing we're talking about now. 
I'm going to say several months ago, and there's been a whole bunch of additions added to the or changes added to these settings. Hmm. Okay. So okay. It, back to the check this regularly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go in there and explore, and 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 then they make it hard too. It's like link after link after link. So embedded links to get to certain areas. They make it difficult to get to for a reason. Sure. Yeah. I mean, from from that end, like I get it. <laughs> yeah. Not from my end, but like, yeah. Some of the last things to cover in the Facebook settings, there's another one called social interactions. And you're kind of changing the settings here for what pages you like that's linked to that. And there's a part that's ad shown outside of Meta, which is huge. So that's saying what is outside of Meta an application that's being used against you. So like I said, go in there, read all of these and turn off all of these checkboxes and toggles so they cannot use your information, especially the ones outside of Meta. That's literally where they're selling your information or using your information from outside of the application that you're using. So it just, just kind of shows you how they capture your information and how they use your information and who can all use it. So wow. that's okay. all we have for Facebook. Okay. That's, and again, we'll, we'll write this up in notes too, so that if you were following along, awesome, but we'll have it written up in notes as well. So everyone can yeah. refer back to that as well. Yeah. Let's get this out there to everyone so they can be aware of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. So one more big one that we, is very common to Instagram. Yes. Sort of quick, quick if we can run into this one. Yeah. And this is pretty quick too, because it is owned by Meta and a lot of it's some of the same settings or similar areas. So we can jump right into it. It looks super similar to Facebook when you go through some of these settings. And, and like I said before, some of it goes to the account center under Meta. So it's not necessarily in Instagram, but go through all of this as well, like we did in Facebook. So the first thing that I always do is under, I think, account privacy you can change it to a private account. I don't want to have a public account where everybody can find my, my posts, my information that's in my bio, anything like that. So definitely go change your account privacy to private, please. The next one is same thing as Facebook is the tags and mentions. So essentially the same thing is we want to make sure you have to manually approve all of those mentions and people following you to be posted to your profile. There's also another one that's not on Facebook. If there's a toggle in there, where people, you can allow people to boost their story by mentioning you from pretty much an advertising perspective. So I always turn that off. I don't want people using me to boost their stories and their reels for them to get more followers or whatever they're trying to do. Yeah, that one doesn't sound familiar to me at all. So I'm really going to need to find that one. I want to say that's a newer one. I don't remember seeing okay. that one. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait. Okay. I'm going to be yeah. on that one down today. Now, when you go into the account center, we're going to hit on it again, password and security. We just talked about it. Use multi-factor authentication. Go in there and change your password. Your Instagram password should not be the same as your Facebook password. I'll let you know that one. But once again, you can go in there and, and hit some of the same things we had earlier. Where are your logins for Instagram? What devices are you logged in on? Where is it happening? When is it happening? I always like to clean that up, right? But check this out. This one is on here that was not on Facebook. You can set login alerts. So you will be notified when a new device that's unrecognized in your profile tries to log in or did log into your Instagram profile. So that's great to have. I highly recommend setting up a login alert so you can see when someone logs into your Instagram. Another one, your information and permissions, that section. Like Facebook, they have a, your the off-meta technologies, kind of same thing as the off-meta applications and things like that. But this section, go in there, disconnect, delete everything, everything that's using your information, 
You can go into the specific activity area. You can delete and unlink those. And then after that, you can go into the ad preferences. Go in there, tell them no, they cannot, Meta cannot use your information for targeted advertising or sharing the information or anything like that. Like I said, I always try to separate my data from Meta, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is. I don't want people using my personal information in any way whatsoever. Right, that makes sense. I mean, it sounds like I understand that they're an they're ad-driven companies. So from their point of view, this is business and it's good business. They're doing a great job with it. Right. Right. Like props to them for that. But from our point of view, it does sound like we can control a lot of this too, which is the good news. So yeah, this is on my to-do list to like scroll through all this stuff, check it, get familiar with what's in there, what should be on, what shouldn't be on, keep an eye out for new stuff too that's popped up. Uh, there's a couple of things you mentioned in here that I'm really familiar with and others that I'm like, yeah, I don't even remember seeing that before. Again, yeah. I'm not doing this as regularly as I should either. So it's an ongoing activity. Every time I look in there, I find something new. It's okay. or you know, I find a little bit more detail. It, it's just they're changing things and you, you can never look too much and research too much on this. Okay. So yeah, manage manage your social media people. You may not be like a a public figure, but guess what? You're on social media, you kind of are. So there we are. So this, thank you for going into this topic and digging into this. I know we've got up next, we will talk more about password managers, how to password manage all that good stuff there. More standard security awareness, I think will be our next topic that we dive into in this series. Again, we will have notes off of this one with a lot of stuff that was covered here just for people to reference. And also, what did you talk about with the multi-factor authentication recommendations? Yes. You can link those in the notes too, just for examples there. Thank you for doing this. This is really helpful. I'm going to test it out personally, make sure that's all cleaned up. Any last thoughts, wrap-up pointers that we should have before we go? Yeah, just one quick little thing I forgot to mention is we talked about how we use social media for so many things, including purchasing, things like that. Just mm. keep in mind anything you do online, all those chats, all of it's recorded somewhere, right? But And also just be careful when you're going to go meet someone to buy something or sell something first of all go meet in a private and safe third-party location go meet at a, a police station right that's a great place but don't yeah. bring someone to your house to pick something up or to sell something and don't go to someone's else you have no idea what kind of situation you're getting into so try to control the situation as much as you can no that's a really good note because that yeah that does happen a lot a lot so it's easy right like it's the convenience part so just convenient but still be safe please be so safe with it. So thank you everyone for listening. Again, we'll be back with more. Like we talked about, there's definitely more to dive into. We will have notes up for this awesome topic, pointers in here, follow along, recommendations. In the meantime, you can always reach us via email. We're at riskmitigation at lsds.us and also our website, lsds.us. There's a comment box on there too. We'll get back to you right away. Cliff, again, thank you so much for doing this. We'll be back with more soon. Awesome, thank you. 